Hello, everyone. I'm Alicia Swami, and I'm here with Keely Severson, Eric Johnson. We are exposing mold. Today, we have Michael Proto with us from Metro Public Adjustment. So you are a public adjuster, and you basically act as an advocate for homeowners holding insurance policies. Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I guess the first challenge I have is a lot of people don't know we even exist. Um, But as a public adjuster, I am licensed through the State Department of Insurance. Um, We are licensed to be advocates on behalf of policyholders. So the way I like to uh, describe what I do is it's education and representation. Um, A lot of what I do is is just letting people, people know about the insurance claim process, giving free policy reviews to make sure that people have good coverages in their policy. Um, And then we also provide professional representation when people have claims going up against their insurance company, making sure that they're being treated and paid out fairly on those losses. Fantastic. I know you said that you're having um, trouble getting recognized. Well, I can guarantee you after this conversation, your phone is going to be ringing (laughs) for help. And I'm glad that we found you because this is something that is important for people. And um, this is information people are seeking. And this is not something that we are well versed in in the mold world. So let's go through a hypothetical, a hypothetical situation with the population that we deal with. And that is people who are suffering with mold damage, whether it's from, you know, like a water event, that's crazy, or whether it's a slow leak. Could you maybe walk us through how you can help someone looking to um, uh, have mold covered? Sure. I mean, I think the the first and most important thing for people to understand is, are they covered at all? Um, we like to sort of joke a little bit in my industry that mold is, is a four-letter word. Um, it, it is not a covered peril. But you're normally covered for mold when it's ensuing damage, obviously from some sort of water-related loss. Um, so, you know, you don't, you know, sometimes the best thing I can tell somebody is don't call that insurance company. Uh, and tell them, hey, I have mold, and they're going to start asking you, well, how did it happen? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. It just <laughs> maybe it was there from some time or, or what have you. And you could actually that could actually be logged as a claim and go on your record. So again, as an advocate, I try to protect the rights and interests of the policyholder, and I just urge caution. Um, so typically, with with mold, where the coverage kicks in is as an ensuing loss. Um, so uh, a great example of a covered peril is if you have an HO3 all-risk policy, accidental discharge of wa- water is a covered loss. So that's like a broken pipe, a frozen pipe, um, you know, things of that nature. It could be an appliance that breaks and results in, in water everywhere. Um, you could be dealing with situations where you have a, a, a wind and rain event, and, and obviously that can create a, a hole and water can get in that way. Um, overflows of toilets and and sinks. Um, Believe it or not, in in an all-risk policy, you are covered for accidental damage. Like, for example, maybe you have a child that's playing in the upstairs and they have water or maybe they turn the sink on and and it overflows. Those are things that you're you're covered for in an all-risk policy also. But that mold coverage is going to kick in after the fact. It's really interesting that you said um, people simply calling their insurer to ask about a situation that they're dealing yeah. with could actually be logged as a claim. I feel like that's not legal. I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? 
It, it is. I mean, once you were calling them, you should fully expect that you're being recorded. Um, you know, the insurance company is just not your friend. I mean, I, I don't know how more bluntly I can put it. They, they're, they're not your friend. Um, if, it's one thing if you call your agent and ask. It's another thing if you're calling that claims hotline, if you will, and saying, hey, uh, I had a flood. Am I covered for that? Well, flood is an exclusion. And again, this is another one of those words that, that we remove from our lexicon as public adjusters. Um, we, we talk about things like accidental discharge of water and overflow and things like that. But there have been times, and, and I've seen this happen with people, they'll call up the insurance company and say, I had, a, I had a flood. Oh, F word. You're not, you're not covered for that. I mean, we could potentially still get that claim reopened if it is a covered loss. But if you're a homeowner and you don't know any better and they tell you that, you may think I'm not covered. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And it, well, dealing with what we see these days, I mean, global catastrophe and whether climatic events are happening all the time, right. flooding is happening all the time, fires, et cetera. Um, but it seems to be the common case of mold issues or hidden mold issues in a home is slow leaks, right? Um, and, and I know, yeah, and I know that's for me as a homeowner, when we dealt with it, it was like, never tell them it's a slow leak, you know, <laughs> because they will not cover you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the terminology or the phrase that we like to use is sudden and or accidental damage. Um, so it has to be usually like a one time recurrence or maybe you just discovered something. Um, but there there can be, um, you know, vague terms in policy. So sometimes you there can be a denial and we can reopen that claim, double check it, and we find it could be an unfair denial. So there are a lot of nuances, if you will, to, to the claims process. And things aren't always as cut and dried as, as they may, may appear. And listen, like I said, we, we reopen and double check claims all the time, all, all different kinds of claims, because most claims generally are not paid out properly. I mean, if you don't have somebody representing you who understands how to fully and properly present that loss, the odds are that you're you're not being paid out properly. So, why are insurance companies so scared of mold? Um, why are they scared of mold? Yeah, I, why I are they so apt to to not wanting to deal with mold and covering it and helping um, homeowners with fixing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I can answer that question. I mean. To, to me, I, I look at, I try to simplify things, right? Which is, you know, what is the, what does your policy actually say that you're covered for? Okay. And, and if, again, for example, somebody's denied or partially denied, we're going to look at that policy. Public adjusters are policy language experts. Okay. And this is where a lot of times claims are under, underpaid. Okay. Cause we understand, we understand to, once we get that certified copy of that policy and we're going to go through it and look at it. And fully understand what you may you may be covered for, and um, you know, people are surprised when I tell them things like that. The insurance the insurance company doesn't even have to really provide you an estimate uh, in in your policy. It's it's on you to provide a proof of loss or present that claim to the insurance company and tell them what's owed. And and this is part of the reason claims are underpaid because a lot of times people just simply walk away with that initial settlement offer the insurance company offers them. This is part of the the process, part of the game, if you will. Um, but again, most people have no idea. They don't know what exactimate is. Um, <laughs> you know, they they don't understand really what their policy says. They need professional help in order to properly present that loss 
and make sure that they're getting what they're owed under that policy. So. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, how did you get into this line of work? Did something happen to you where you're like, I I want to advocate for this because I don't want this to happen to someone else? Yeah, no, I mean, I came across the opportunity and it and it did appeal uh, it appealed to me initially because yeah, I mean, you're I'm an advocate. I do like to think that we're riding the white horse and saving people from their insurance companies, and uh, that's generally what, what we do. Um, you know, there's some personal benefits to it as well because it does offer me some flexibility and work life balance, which I like. Um, but it, it, there's really nothing like being a public adjuster. I'm not really selling anything. I mean, if anything, I'm selling advocacy. I'm not selling you a, a product. Um, it's just very different than anything I've, I've done before. So, Very cool. So going back to catastrophes and um, you know floods and fire and all the mm-hmm. madness that's happening around the world, right. you said that you can't say flood and you can't say certain terms. So, um, I'm a homeowner, uh, a hurricane came through my town. The insurance companies are very well aware a hurricane came and sure. flooded all these homes in this certain demographic. Right. How would you get around that in order to, um, get coverage to fix your home in that case? Sure. I mean, I, I think what people need to understand is flood is an exclusion in your homeowner policy. And usually, even if you're getting that declarations page or, you know, usually the insurance company will send you your your policy or your renewal, and maybe it's like a half dozen pages or so. That's not your full policy. Your certified policy is probably like this thick and has like a bunch of forms in it. But often they'll send you that that renewal and it'll say like earthquake or earth movement is an exclusion. A flood is an exclusion. You need to have flood insurance for true flood you know, surface water. Once that water hits the ground, usually you're out of luck otherwise. And this is why I I do cringe when, you know, a hurricane comes along or like the tropical storm that just hit on the the West Coast, where a lot of people probably don't have flood. If you're in Florida, you you probably do, right? But if if you're in an area, you know, and you don't have it, that's not covered under your homeowner policy. It's It's all on you. I mean, uh, you know, sadly, I mean, in, in in a way, you're almost better off having a tornado hit your home than a flood, because at least it's going to be covered as part of the wind peril under your policy. But flood is a different animal. And the NFIP program, you know, the federal government's program, um, that that is not as robust as a homeowner policy. The coverages there are much more basic. They cover a lot of big ticket items. So if you imagine you had a, a true flood and your basement was swamped, there's limited coverage usually for contents, but you'll be covered for things like a freezer chest or like your electrical if it gets damaged and things like that. Um, so I, I really, I, I feel great empathy for people who are dealing with true flood situations. Um, you know, they could have their, their homes happen to somebody here in New Jersey, right near me, when we had remnants of Ida, their, their structure of the foundation of the home was actually damaged and they couldn't afford to, to fix it. You know, they had to put the house. For sale. So yeah, you have what to do you think like what, what good is insurance for if they're not covering these major situations and you have to buy all these extra things to add on. 
I, I know. I mean, it's very difficult. And, you know, I think people need to do their diligence when they're purchasing a home and understanding where that is. It could be in a flood zone. Um, you know, uh, I see I see what people are going through right now in states like Florida, where they're paying forty five hundred dollars a year for just a homeowner policy before even taking out flood. Um, you know, if you live near the water and things like that, I mean, you're more at risk. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Um, Keely's tending to her baby, but she did have some questions and I'm going to ask them on her behalf. She wants to know how can homeowners best protect themselves insurance wise from water damage? Do you have any policy recommendations? Sure. Absolutely. Yes. So again, most people have what's called an HO3 or open perils policy. It covers you for 16 named perils and any other sudden or accidental damage. So again, I don't, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but, you know, we talked about accidental discharge of water from the plumbing system or broken appliance, toilet overflows, sink overflows, uh, you know, a, a wind event where water is getting in. Those are things that are going to be covered under a typical all-risk policy. Um, where you also want to look to cover yourself is to have um, a sewer backup endorsement on your policy. This does not usually come standard with a policy. It is an endorsement. So, the best way I can describe this is your policy covers you for your stuff. The sewer and backup coverage covers you for other people's stuff. <laughs> I, I, that's like the, it's the best way I can put it. But basically, if you have a, a backup of sewer and drains, it's sometimes termed. It, it's also considered a sump pump failure endorsement. There, it's kind of like one catch-all. Okay. But it's a policy within a policy. It is an endorsement. It comes with a different limit on what it will pay out. And obviously, this is something that's not uncommon for people to happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, I see people have, have a sewer backup from the municipal system and don't have any coverage. I see people, it's not uncommon to only have, say, $5,000 on that endorsement. You know, now, if you as you know dealing with mold you know that the restoration cleanup can get to be expensive okay if you're dealing whatever whatever restoration company it might be they could easily eat up your five thousand dollars just in dry out and cleanup so i generally tell people that you want at least ten thousand dollars there if you have a really nice finished basement all right and you have a lot of personal property down there then you may want to consider getting even more and it probably won't cost you a lot. But that way, at least you're you're having coverage for not only the cleanup, but then repairs, replacing some of your personal property, things like that. So th that's the best advice that I can really give as far as water coverage is concerned. Um, you know, I, I do tell people that it's worthwhile looking into service line coverage because that covers infrastructure from the curb to your home. You're actually not covered if they have to dig through your front lawn, get to a pipe and fix it. But that may not necessarily come with interior water damage. Okay. So generally the, uh, the backup of sewer and drains slash sump pump endorsement is something that you want, especially if you have a basement and a finished basement. Thank so, you. for that. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is a lot of times there will be coverage for, you know, mold. In, in policies. And so, you know, some people may have it, some people may not, but, you know, you may want to think about 
you know, how much makes sense there too to have that. Again, it will kick in as ensuing damage from a water-related loss. As we saw in the 90s with Melinda Ballard's case, um, insurance companies started writing exclusions for mold. Yeah. Um, what were insurance companies doing prior to this precedent, this I wouldn't say precedent, but prior to this incident that sort of made them see mold as like this yeah. major problem that they they didn't want yeah. to deal. Uh, I can't I, I'm actually not familiar with what they had before. I, I mean, obviously, anytime the insurance companies are making changes and adding in ex- exclusions is because they're being hurt financially from paying out. I mean, um, you know, I've I've seen, for example, uh, I'm not licensed in Florida. I don't really, I don't really do anything in Florida. I just, as an observer and educating myself on some of these these issues, I see a lot of. I've seen from a lot of people they have exclusions on their their screen cages now, or maybe it's capped. So why would insurance companies want to cap or exclude coverage for screen cages in places like Florida? The first thing that goes during a during a hurricane or a tropical storm. I mean, there are people that have screen cages that could be thirty, forty thousand dollars. So the insurance company is telling you <laughs> we we don't want to pay that out. So I think ultimately they're always looking to protect their bottom line. Um, you know, there's a there's a famous book. Uh you can find it on Amazon. It's called Delay Deny Defend. It's pr- probably the most famous book about the insurance world and the tactics that they use to go about not paying claims, lowballing claims. Um you know, this is, it's built into the business model. So if they come across situations where they feel coverages are really hurting them, and I would expect them to change. And so, you know, the interesting thing too, is there's something called the insurances, the insurance services office. Uh, I, it's called ISO. So they're the ones that are kind of like the gold standard for what a home insurance policy should be. So sometimes you may hear to talk about it like an, I, an ISO HO3 form. That that's a true HO3 policy. A lo- what a lot of these big name insurance companies do, what they have are modified form policies. So anytime that they're inserting language to cut back on this coverage or limit that, it's all taking away from what used to be the standard for an HO3 policy. So we consider them modified form policies. Um, and the interesting about this industry is it's, it's a constant education because the industry is always changing. And we need to stay on top of these changes that happen. Um, there are some big name carriers out there that have some some important, uh, and this uh, pertains to water damage as well, but important restrictions on coverage is for access to plumbing, for example. Okay. So imagine you, you have a situation where you have a broken pipe. The plumber has to go through a shower, you know, go through the wall to get to that pipe and fix it. There's, there are a couple of big name companies that um, really restrict that coverage. One limits it to like two thousand um, dollars. There's another where if they the language is something along the lines of if it's not where the water escaped from and the problem is in another area, there might not be any coverage at all. So these are things that we look for as public adjusters and to help educate people, as I'm trying to do now, um, that you need to be careful of and be aware of. So, yeah. What's interesting to me is um, we're starting to see insurance companies like State Farm um, halt their new policy sales in right. states like California. 
Um, yeah. Is this something that you expect to see um, as a growing trend in the future as we continue to have more climatic events? Um, it, it's a it's a great question. I mean, again, just understanding what's going on in, in the industry overall right now, things are not in a great place. Um, so it has caused um, carriers like State Farm to not offer new policies in places like California. I think all state has also done the same. Um, I I don't know. I wish I could forecast what what's ahead, but it it does it does make it more difficult for homeowners. I mean, I tend to believe generally more competition is better, even if some of these big name carriers aren't aren't the greatest to have. Um, you know, generally, I like to tell people to get an independent an independent broker or shop for a good policy for them and avoid some of these captive agents. Um, you know, there's two ways you can be hurt when it comes to home insurance and it's having a bad policy on the front end or being treated unfairly on the back end. The one thing you can control is having a good policy on, on the front end. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know right now is a difficult time in, in the insurance world. They're being hurt by the inflation over the last few years, which has fueled higher claims. And, um, you know, the insurance companies are going to try to protect their bottom lines as, as much as they can. I hear you. I just wonder if they're working on some sort of resolve um, for this. I mean, because it just doesn't seem fair to homeowners if they can't um, yeah. have access to insurance. So, yeah. I mean, um, it, it, maybe we need to think differently. I don't know. <laughs> perhaps so. I mean, it, it, it's definitely troubling. Um you know, obviously, if you're you're a new home new homeowner in a place like California, and it's more problematic to find insurance. You know, obviously, that can have more impact generally on the housing market. So, absolutely, um, Keely has another question. She wants to know how do people know when they need an adjuster? Right. Listen, I mean, in our opinion, it's best to have our help from the beginning. And you know what what we see often is policyholders don't understand their own policies. They they don't understand what their own duties are after a loss, which is, again, a very important thing when it comes to all losses, but it's in particular water-related losses. Um, you have a responsibility, a duty under loss to mitigate further damage. So if that means getting a restoration company in right away to do dry out, you need to do that. Um, separating out damaged items from undamaged items. Um, getting a roof tarp. These are things that you have to do. And if you don't do them, your claim could be denied. Okay. And that is not, the, it is not the burden of the insurance company to do that. I mean, I often see people saying, I had a claim and the insurance company is not getting back to me and I don't know what to do. It's not their responsibility to mitigate further damage. Okay. Uh, and generally, you know, as a side note to that, I, I recommend people avoiding the insurance company vendors as much as possible. You know, th those vendors have a relationship there that they want to protect. Um, it's always better to get your own vendors, whether it's a restoration company or, or, or uh, a contractor or what have you, and ha have them um, work on your behalf. But from a perspective of when you have a loss, what is going to get you and yield you the best possible outcome? It's having professional representation from the beginning because we're going to help you avoid those kinds of mistakes, like not upholding to duties after loss. Um, the insurance companies are skilled and trained at tripping you up. They're going to ask you questions. 
Um, and, and again, so some of what we spoke about before. Well, you know, when did you first notice the stain on the ceiling? Oh, well, you know, the last few times I took a shower, <laughs> you know, I, I noticed. These are things that they look for to get out from paying claim. You know, we're there to protect your rights and interests and make sure that your claim is being handled properly throughout the entire process. Not only that, we're documenting everything because if the, the worst uh, case scenario comes to pass where it ends up in litigation, we are effectively giving you that ammunition. We're documenting everything so that you'll have that if it, if it goes to court. So uh, are your, is your team also testifying in court? Yeah, yeah, that that does that does happen where our adjusters end up being expert witnesses. Absolutely happens. Sure. So yeah, it's definitely best to have us from the beginning. We can get involved pretty much at any point in the process. Usually, it's within twelve months of the date of the loss. Um, the critical issue there is not losing the leverage to go to sue and, and litigate if you need to. Um, each date it can vary by state in terms of how long that you actually have to do that. Um, but generally, we'd like to get involved no later than 12 months of the date of the loss. But that's one of the great things about our license. We are authorized to come back in and reopen claims if that have been denied. Or even if you've gotten a, a settlement check, we can go back and look to see if you were underpaid. How often does um, litigation result in, in a win for a homeowner? Is it usually insurance companies winning or? Um, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't give you a batting average, so to speak. I mean, very few. I mean, not, not a lot of our claims do get to litigation. Sometimes if they get there, they settle before going through an entire court battle. Um, but, you know, I think the important thing is to do everything possible that if it comes to that, that you have that ammunition. So, but and that's where you guys can help and make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Um, you made a mention of something earlier. Um, you said, not and just for clarification i'm not sure if i heard you wrong do not move forward with the recommended vendors that your insurance provides if something happens in your home right. search your own yes i mean you know the goal again is to maximize your your settlement and through the eyes of a public adjuster we're looking to maximize your settlement you're generally going to do better with us than, than without us um but uh, you know, again, preferred vendors are there for a reason, right? They have a re relationship with the, the insurance company. They are they are not representing you. They're not there fighting for your interest. Um, and that that's really the bottom line. Now, now some we have seen this um, more a little bit more and more. Something called pre preferred contractor endorsements being embedded in policies. You really do not want that. You don't want the insurance company paying your contractor directly. You don't, you don't want your hands tied such that you can't, you don't even have the choice to use who you want to use. Okay. So yeah, I mean, these are things again that we, we're constantly being vigilant about so that we can let people know the dangers of the claims process and having a good policy. You want to avoid these situations if you can. Very interesting. But Thank you. To add to that again, ultimately you want to maximize that settlement. That set, that settlement money is yours as the policyholder, and you should go to shop and get estimates from contractors, whoever you need to do those repairs, um, and and find the best deal that, that that you're, you know, you can find or whoever you feel most comfortable going with. But that settlement money is yours 
to use as you wish. Perfect. Um, I don't really have any other further questions, but um, I'm not really well versed in this um, arena. So is there any other important information that you think people should know um, moving forward when they are considering policy shopping, maintaining, renewing? Well, yeah, when you get your renewal, that's always, I like to say, a danger time because that's when they can slip in language they, they, that restricts uh, coverage or there could be other exclusions that pop up. Um, you know, things we look for are percentage deductibles. Um, this is another thing that we didn't touch on and that's really important and things that I usually do when I do policy reviews for people, but percentage deductibles are becoming more common and we believe that's something you want to avoid. We generally recommend not having more than a $1,500 flat deductible. Now, how does a percentage deductible work? It's usually a percentage of your coverage A. Your coverage A is your dwelling coverage. So if, God forbid, you have a catastrophic loss like a fire, how much would it be to rebuild the home? That's what your coverage A is. So imagine you have $500,000 on coverage A and you have a 1% deductible, now your deductible is $5,000. What if it's a 2% deductible? Suddenly you have a 10% deductible. The other thing to look for is separate wind and hail deductibles, let alone hurricane deductibles, okay? Um, I'll see separate wind and hail deductibles. That can be 2% of $500,000. I had somebody in New Jersey um, after we had remnants of Ida, they had a 1% deductible off of $700,000 in coverage. They had a $7,000 deductible. We couldn't help. <laughs> okay. So these are things that you have to be vigilant for and, and look for. Obviously, hurricane deductibles can be even higher. Um, another thing that's happened over the last couple of years is, is something called a named storm deductible. So therefore, it's not necessarily a hurricane. It could just be a tropical storm or once they name it. If you're even getting remnants of the storm and it's not even a tropical storm anymore, then that deductible may kick in. I mean, these are some of the things that they do and people need to be aware of. Yeah, that's really sneaky. A named named storm deductible. Wow. Yep. And these are these Uh, things that um, they can only do like, can they just do these things overnight? You know, like, all right, something's happening. Let's write this in and then let everyone know. Yeah, I mean, typically, if, if they make changes, you'll find it upon renewal. And listen, I think most people, they get a renewal or they initially get their policy and they're like, okay, I'm covered, put it in my drawer until I need it. And then they then they find out the real mayhem, to borrow a term, is after the loss, uh, whether it's finding out that they're not covered for something that they thought they were or they have a crazy deductible. Um you know, Allstate is infamous for rescheduling provisions, as an example. Um, so that's basically where you're going to get depreciated value on the roof, and it will reduce by a certain percentage every year. Um, it may kick in after the 16th year of the roof. Um, I've seen policies that have uh, have it start to reduce after even the first year. It might, might go from like 100% down to 95% or 90%. Um, so imagine you have a really high wind and hail deductible, and you have a roof scheduling provision and an older roof, it is conceivable that you may receive nothing, literally zero for a new roof. So yeah, this, this is, this is why I get, you know, we're advocates. I try to educate people so that 
they don't find themselves in a situation where as an adjuster, I have to tell them, I'm sorry, I can't help you. That's the, that's the last thing I want to have happen. Insurance companies, yeah. great example of an extreme manipulation of language. <laughs> in order yeah. to well, the, the, interesting, the interesting thing too, and I kind of touched on this earlier is there can be vague provisions in policies and generally to use the um, example of the tie goes to the runner in baseball the tie usually goes to the policy holder uh, and when it comes to claims so if there's any any doubt um, it usually falls on the side of the po- the policy holder um, some provisions can talk about things that are reasonable um, it could could be matching for for siding you know what what is reasonable well these these are areas where we're expert at making arguments on the behalf of policyholders to get get them back to pre-loss condition. So, all right, awesome. Well, let's talk about how people can actually work with you. Is it um, a one-time relationship? Is it a lifetime relationship? In terms of you know how long they own this property? It's it's, it's claim by claim. Um, if you don't mind me giving out my information, uh, yeah, go ahead. My webpage is propertyclaimspro.com. My email is propertyclaimspro at yahoo.com. Um, so it's easy to get a hold of me. But um, like I said, most of the time I'm either helping people by doing a free policy review, part of my advocacy, and obviously the professional claims representation uh, comes in as well as far as handling handling claims on behalf of homeowners. So, you know, or the, the adjusters at my company have top level certifications when it comes to water damage, mold damage, um, hay, hay roof inspections, Xactimate certified. And again, Xactimate basically puts us on the same level playing field as the insurance companies that provides unit pricing for all the damage. So when you're going through a home and, and you're saying, you know, you're, you're figuring out everything that's been damaged, that system allows us to properly present that loss. Um, again, I talk about mold and water damage. There's something called IICRC certification. Again, it's like top level certification in the industry. Uh, so in addition to water and mold, smoke and, and fire damage, our adjusters are certified in that. So again, Hague is the top level certification for roofs. So you know you're going to be getting top level representation when you work with us. Great. Are you also um, recommending vendors for people like per your preferred vendors list of people who are, you know, doing good work out there for their clients? Yeah. I mean, generally, I'll have um, in my back pocket some people that, you know, that they can reach out to. Um, again, I'm technically an independent contractor. It's an affiliated relationship with Metro. Um, so, you know, I have plumbers and restoration people that I uh, have relationships with. So I can always point them, but it's ultimately up to the uh, the policyholder what they would like to do. Fantastic. And then also you are serving um, the country nationwide, correct? Yeah. Anywhere there's a licensing regime, uh, we, we can handle claims. So again, each state is a little bit different. I think there's only about two or three states that don't have a licensing regime. I believe Alabama's one, Arkansas maybe one. Uh, I think Alaska might be one. <laughs> um, there's some states that have fee cap structures in place um, and others that give us the flexibility to work with homeowners. Um, and so, you know, every claim situation is different and we'll work with people accordingly. Um, and we're one of the few firms that will help out on, on smaller claims. A lot of public adjusters will only look to, to deal with 
with large losses. So that's a benefit of working with us too. That's awesome. So one final bonus question here, unless you have anything else you'd like to say or input. Um, what is the most common issue people seek your help with? Um, that, I mean, that that's sort of a good question. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we will come in on a lot of claims that people have already kind of, they're down the road a little bit. That's one of the great values of our of our license is being able to come in, um, you know, generally at any point in the process and try to help out. Now, you know, we can't put the genie back in the bottle either, so to speak. So as I mentioned before, a lot of times people will, you know, they'll make mistakes because they just don't understand the process. Most people have never had a claim before. You may have one or two in your lifetime. Um, so people don't don't understand the process. Um, so, you know, we'll do our best in those situations on a reopen a claim. Uh, I mean, I've had people come to me. I, I had somebody find me on my YouTube that lives in Oklahoma and they had a vandalism claim um, on their home. So they were, they were a, a landlord. So the, the tenant damaged the property inside and out and the insurance company offered like $7,000. We got involved and we've gotten them like another 32 out of the insurance company so far and we didn't even close the claim yet. So, you know, I mean, we're there to protect the rights and interests of the policyholder uh, and and to fight to make sure that they're being paid out properly. Um, you know, but generally the earlier that we were involved, it's a better. Uh, certainly, if you're dealing with catastrophic losses like fires, you definitely should not be going about it on your own. They're very complicated losses. They're very time consuming. And, you know, the other value of using us is just taking that stress off your shoulders. You know, people, again, they, they don't realize a lot of times what they're in for once the claim happens. And I see this every day, people banging their head against the wall, trying, trying to deal with the insurance company. We're there to, to fight that fight for you. <laughs> We're going to take care of all aspects of the claim. We have an entire headquarters in Pennsylvania that, that deals with claims every day. We do 10,000 claims a year. I mean, we're not into this. We've been doing it for 30 years. Um, so, you know, I'm, you know, again, people want to get, they want to get back to, to, to their life when they've had a loss. I can't promise them that it's going to be quick. The, the claims process does take time. Um, but if you want to get paid out properly and be sure, you know, be sure you're being protected, it's best to use a public adjuster. Fantastic. Yeah. I can only imagine the stress of a catastrophic event of God. I mean, look at Maui, mm -hmm. your entire yeah. health and trying yeah. to deal with that. It, it, it really helps to have someone who understands um, every step of the way and what you can right. do, to, you know, reclaim that. Right. Uh, and I feel bad just because I, I know, I know what a lot of these people are in for. It's not going to be fun and it, it may take years before it's resolved. Yeah. And that's often what it is, right? You People usually don't um, collect on their money until years later. Um, listen, I, I see all the time people with major losses and, you know, whether it might be a hurricane or what have you, it, it will take, it could take two years, three years. If it goes to litigation, it could take even longer. Um, you know, I, I, I saw a story about somebody in the Midwest just had a fire about eight months ago. I think, you know, they have one child that had autism. And they're just not getting the responsiveness out of the insurance company. And they felt they had no other recourse but to sue after eight months. Um, I, I have great empathy and sympathy for people 
when these things happen because like i said i i know what they're in they're going to be in for and it will be eye-opening for a lot of them unfortunately well mike you are a diamond in the rough and i think um you and people in your role are definitely going to be in higher demand with um the current landscape of what we're dealing with in, in america and homes and the conditions and what we need to do to fix them and make them better make them healthy livable spaces for you know families so we do appreciate you so much for joining us on the show. Again, feel free to plug your um, your business and your colleagues and um, however else people can to find you and contact you. Yep. Again, it's propertyclaimspro.com. <laughs> Pretty simple. Um, all my information is there. If you want a free policy review, I love doing them. I'm happy to do it. And if you're having trouble with your insurance company, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I can. Thank you for being an unsung unsung hero. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. It was fun. Thank you. Awesome. Let's keep in touch and uh, see how we can continue to work together. Sounds great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. You have a good day. You too. We want to thank you for listening. Just sending a friendly reminder that what we say is not intended as medical advice, but information to expand your thinking surrounding common situations and issues within the mold community. If you like what we do, Please support us by making a donation in the link in our show notes. We also provide one-on-one consultations, products to help with symptom management that you can find in our shop, and a private membership group filled with a supportive community of peers working together to heal from toxic mold. As a friendly reminder, Exposing Mold is a 501c3 nonprofit and every donation is tax deductible. Thank you so much for your support, and we look forward to providing you with the most honest information out there on mold and mold issues. Please visit ExposingMold.org for more information. 